do you want to introduce us this time sure because i think i did last time yeah i think so um hold on let me think of a good intro real quick oh no oh man i i want to think i i was kind of thinking like what if we did it like the solo trailer where it just has that classic line, that classic <laughs> old and Aaron Reich line. It's like, I got kicked out of the academy for having a mind of my own. <laughs> um, but no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Because it doesn't make, I'll, I'll reference it whenever we get to that point, I guess. But I mean, that's going to be the intro. What you just did right now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. We're continuing our Star Wars rewatch series with what um, <laughs> is probably, I don't know, it's not David and I's favorite movie, but it's definitely the one that I've at least seen the most in the last few years. No, that's not fair. You have to put me in that category because, like, I don't think people understand how much we've seen this movie over the past three to four years since it came out, basically. Right. Well, yeah, and uh, sorry, I did not mean to imply that you hadn't seen it a lot of times. I right. just, I said it that way because I didn't know, because you you watch Star Wars a lot more frequently than I do, mm-hmm. and so you might have done something yeah. else instead. But anyway, yeah, but we're the Star Wars historians. David here, Luke did our awesome intro with that awesome Aiden. I, I'm on a first name basis with it. Alden, Alden. sorry. Alden, not Aiden. <laughs> you're you're not on a first day basis. You're on a fake name basis. With that. <laughs> That's right. Well, th- that is that is true. But Spencer actually has me on his phone as Fake David because when oh, I changed yeah. my phone number, that was a long time ago. Yeah, but also, a... um, I want to comment real quick before we get into this conversation of something that was said on last Monday's episode about having gazebo effect in Espanol. Um, listen, guys, I know a lot more Spanish than just some Spanish. Okay. I just want to set the record straight on that. Um, but anyway, let's get, but like, I feel like we shouldn't have to defend ourselves on our own show. Absolutely. Yeah. We shouldn't have to, but Luke's right. In, In terms of Star Wars movies that we've seen, and we've talked about this before, when I think we were talking about since Disney took over episode. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I've, I think this is also perhaps the mo- the movie that we've at least like kind of like tangentially have referenced the most out of all the other movies. Cause we made an entire series about if we were to make a Lando series, what we would do. And that's strictly out of the solo kind of, movie yes yeah absolutely and it's funny because like this movie is also the movie to where when luke and i are are bored or just want to watch a star wars movie this is the one that we we and we joke around like we said oh man you want to watch solo like jokingly and then both of us would be like yeah can can we watch solo like can we we (laughs) or or we'll be like okay i'm really in the mood for star wars but i don't really know which one to watch and so i distinctly remember one time david got like this app that was like you make a customized (laughs) spinner 
and he had like all of the different Star Wars movies I could possibly we could possibly watch <laughs> on there. This. And out of all the things it chose, it chose Solo. So what else were we to do? What else was yeah. a boy to do? That's to right. Watch Solo. So we we love this film from viewing it in the past. But Luke, when you watched it this most recent time, like what what were your thoughts? I was thinking about it earlier today, um, driving back to my apartment, that literally, I think every time that I watch this movie, I appreciate it a little bit more. And the same mm-hmm. is true for this last rewatch. I just, this is a fun movie that was clearly pretty well thought out with character design and set design and just everything. I think it's a brilliant movie. Yeah, and even with saying that, Ron Howard is an amazing director in this movie, and he wasn't even the original like director Mm -hmm. so the one that they had they fired because of creative differences and struggles between him and i i guess disney and trying to come up with the creative story ron ron howard jumped in on it and saved this movie i would say yeah and i think it's it's worth saying right now um that both ron howard and bryce dallas howard uh yes his daughter, daughter Yeah, they have both. I think they're they're a couple of really unsung like heroes of the Star Wars of the new era of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard of Jurassic World fame, as well as some other things, also did work on The Mandalorian, which, of course, we all know how well that is going and how it has turned out so far. Um, So I think we really owe a debt of gratitude to both of the Howards, both Ron and Bryce Dallas. Yeah, for sure. But I remember when I rewatched this. So so the way that I have my rankings, you know, I've, I've alluded to rankings for myself of, right. okay, so it's, you know, one, two, three, four. And at number five is Solo. Mm-hmm. So I have the original trilogy and Revenge of the Sith ahead of this film. That's how much I enjoy watching this movie it's just so good at hitting all the right notes of what needs to happen in a star wars film right and just leaves me wanting more adventures with uh with this han solo exactly yes yeah and and i would say with that hitting of the right notes it's also this as an anthology film is very good at taking the Star Wars universe and putting it to a different genre than we are used to. Mm, it's yeah. not just a straight up adventure, but it's like a heist more than anything else or like a, um, an ensemble kind of, uh, pairing up, getting a group together to accomplish a task. And it, it does that magnificently while still being in the universe and being coherent within everything that we know about Star Wars. And I completely agree. I want to see uh, Alden Ehrenreich back at Han so- as Han Solo in some way. I don't know how that would be done, but mm-hmm. I would love to see him because I think he has put so much effort into his role in this movie. And we'll get into that more because um, I've read a, wrote a bunch of notes. All these other movies that um, we've been <laughs> yeah. rewatching, I've been giving David a running commentary of like as I'm, as I'm watching them like through text message. And so I decided to give him a reprieve from that. And I just wrote uh, in my notes this time. Um, so we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but hey. Alden Ehrenreich, Han Solo, love him. 
Uh, Donald Glover Lando is wonderful, and I would just love to see more from uh, these actors with these characters. Yeah, and I even like Emily Clark as Kira. Oh yeah, like, I think she's Emilia fantastic. Clark as yes, she's fantastic. so good, and that, that I I think because of her work and also Donald Glover's work as Lando, why and also because of the rumors of him getting his own show, which has mm-hmm. now come true. And has been that that's happening. We wanted to see more adventures from those two specifically, which is why we wrote writing room sessions for Lando and also for Crimson Dawn and that storyline. Um, but let let's jump into the specifics of this film and why you you love this film because when it the only thing that you did text me and I do appreciate it when you text me your commentary of, of <laughs> why you're watching it. Um, but you said you had some some new things to say mm-hmm. about Solo. So I'm just going to let you kind of get into it and just let's start this conversation. So there, there's this this movie or this rewatching, as with kind of the other rewatching this time around, um, I really paid attention to certain themes. And I realized that this movie is all about freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about Han and Kira trying to escape Corellia and kind of the different paths that that leads them through. And I, I've written out an entire list of kind of different examples of freedom. Uh, Tobias Beckett and Val both want to do this last job so that they can yeah. retire and Beckett can learn how to play the Valor chord. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewie, of course, is we first see him and he's tied, he's chained up in a terrible place, terrible mud pit. Yeah. Um, not being fed except for the things that the Empire wants to see die. Uh, and then even Chewie himself has a goal of wanting to free his family from slavery. Mm-hmm. Even Lando's ship is impounded. And of course, we all know that L3 <laughs> is very serious about droid rights and, and droid freedom and even right. leads a rebellion. It leads an up, uh, a freedom uprising in Kessel. And so you just see this idea all around. Even with Infus Nest, there's freedom and rebellion are both two themes, kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, rebellion must come in order for there to be freedom. Uh, and you, this is kind of, I think, this is an aspect of the movie that I hadn't thought about beforehand. Like, I just kind of watched it. I, I, I just watch it as, you know, like, as events and as action and things like that. But this time right. I, I was watching it and I was like, these characters all have something in common. And there's a story being told here about freedom and about the cost that freedom has and about uh, kind of all these different things that you must do in order to be free um, and how it works out in different ways. Uh, Han and Kira are mm-hmm. two very opposite characters who begin in very similar situations. Uh, I, I kind of mm-hmm. wrote down that yeah. Han is, is this good hearted person who is like trying to be bad, but then uh, Kira, and, and this might not be completely fair, but I, I like dichotomies. And so uh, even though it might err on the side of overstatement, I think Kira's kind of leans more on, the bad side with a good kind of appearance, at least to Han. Han can only ever see the good in Kira while people like Beckett and Dryden Voss know the deeper stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and so 
just kind of watching these two characters kind of they're like following like certain rules that they, they have to do like this is how their character like thinks and, and works through and whenever they're placed into these different situations they're going to respond accordingly and mm-hmm. i think this movie yeah. is just so good at the characterization for uh han and kira as well as and i just think literally there's not a bad character in this movie i don't think no that's that's very true everyone even the the pilot on the heist it, he, man he was hilarious throughout the oh entire i loved movie. rio yeah yeah rio's so good and like you said everyone had a story mm-hmm. and and even rio when he dies you know he says one of the fate i think you've you've talked about this several times one of your favorite things in star wars is that no one is ever really alone um and he even says the line or something along the lines of he says like, uh i actually noted it this time because it's yeah. important for uh han's character development and it, rio's last words are like it's no good dying alone Han. yeah or something like that. Yeah. And this, I think, is, is brought to the forefront of Han's mind whenever he's talking to Beckett. Beckett, who, in a lot of ways, is Han's mentor. And, and especially at the beginning of the movie, Han wants to be like Beckett in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Uh, but then Beckett says this powerful line. is like, assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed. And the way that Han responds is... Sounds like a lonely way to live. And then Beckett says it's the only way to live. Um, kind of kind of twist of words there. But like I think like that section, that segment works in itself. But I think mm-hmm. it's actually referring back to what Rio's last words to Han. And so Han is having to grapple with himself. Is he going to live like this? Because he knows now that... Uh, to die alone is is not the way to go about it. And so are you going to live a lonely life or are you going to uh, take chances? Are you going to give yourself? And uh, like we see with Han in, in this movie and then later on in the original trilogy, kind of Han is like besides himself, beside himself, he is selfless and, and goes for other, goes to help other people like Chewie and Lando on Kessel. And he, he almost doesn't understand it. Like he, he's like, man, I'm going to get myself in trouble for this. Um, but he still goes out and, and helps, even though he could just be like Beckett and only care about himself. Yeah. We're even talking about those, those scenes with Beckett. Like we see in this film, a Han Solo that almost seems to be the opposite of what we see in the original trilogy, only from this standpoint. He's naive. He's inexperienced. He's young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the lessons that he is learning during this movie and also probably in the future and, and things that we haven't seen yet. Like, we see how Han Solo... I mean, like, this is his origin story, basically. Right. This is how he becomes Han Solo. And so we like, have literally to... Literally meet- with the name and everything. <laughs> Yes, and we have to meet a Han Solo who's inexperienced, naive, but at the heart of it all, he's a good person. Right. And it's just a, a, a an amazing thing to see how Han be- went from this to what we see 
in the original trilogy. Right. This, this in a lot of ways, I think, begins uh, kind of his descent into this jadedness and, and cynicism. Yeah. Um, I think probably in a lot of ways because of Kira, but also in a lot of ways because of um, a- another theme in this movie is about people as survivors. And so Han mm. and Kira are both described as survivors, but they go about yeah. it in very different ways. That's right. And so the things that Han has to do to survive, normally uh, whenever he's trying to survive, we get a picture of Han that we see in uh, the original trilogy where uh, Greedo, I believe it's Greedo, tells uh, Han that Jabba doesn't like smugglers who drops their uh, cargo at the first sight of an Imperial cruiser. And uh, again, we see it at the beginning of the movie off camera with uh, his uh, job for Lady Proxima that he is more interested in escaping with his life than he is with kind of taking life almost. And so Mm -hmm. it's very much a drop and run attitude that Han has throughout his life. Um, But then at the end of the movie, in order to survive, he has to outshoot Beckett. And he does it. He yeah. shoots first. And, of course, like, Han shoot, shooting first is uh, a concept that people have lots of feelings about um, as it <laughs> pertains to A New Hope. But yeah. whatever you think about A New Hope, it's the picture of Han that we have here is the kind of Han who would shoot first. And if he would, and if he would shoot first against like his mentor against Beckett, who, who he cared about. And you can see it on his face, like right yes, after he shoots right him, he runs that. up and goes mm-hmm. to spend his last moments with Beckett. And like, it's not, there's no animosity there. No, no. Uh, despite everything. And so if he is willing to take that step with Beckett, how much more is he going to do that with Greedo, who he doesn't really care about? And he's just a thug for Jabba that doesn't care about him either. Yeah. And again, it just pushes that idea of in a new hope, Yes, Han shot first because he's a survivor mm-hmm. and he had to learn different ways to survive. You know, sometimes he'll drop a shipment and, you know, escape with his life. Other times he'll shoot first and also other times he'll find creative ways to get out of trouble and get out of situations, yep. which is what we heard in The Force Awakens um, when he says, I'll think of something. Chewie yep. like wants to disagree and he's like, yes, I do. Every time. And, <laughs> but, but we see he's a survivor in multiple yeah. ways. Uh, and so we, we learn that this is who he is. This film establishes Han as a survivor doing anything to survive. Mm-hmm. But even with that, like Han, Han, because of that, thinks that he's this, he's this outlaw. And Kira yes. says, no, I'm the only mm-hmm. one who really knows who you are. You're the good guy. You're going to yeah. do the right thing. Um, and, and Han doesn't even really believe it, but, um, that's, that's kind of another theme is, uh, people are predictable whenever you, whenever you pay attention. And so Han was paying attention to Beckett, but he wasn't paying attention to Kira. So he was, he was, or at least not paying the kind of close attention to Kira. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can say the same thing about Dryden Voss also. Yeah. 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 Who Paul Bettany, Paul Bettany, man, wonderful. I mean, he's awesome as Vision, but as Dryden Voss, it, it's hard to believe that he wasn't the original person to, to be in that role. Right, because he's so perfect for it. Right. Like, and, and the thing about Dryden that is so 
interesting for Star Wars is that he is a purely evil person, just like mm-hmm. a purely evil villain. You need all sorts of villains in order to make right. the story work. Yeah. And so you have like your sympathetic villain, which we will say is Kira in this case, and then you're yeah. just pure evil bad guy is Dryden Voss and to a lesser extent Maul. Um, Dryden Voss is is pure evil, but he's also just like psychotic. And so he'll he'll <laughs> yes. like smile to you like to your face and like says all say all these pleasant things while he's like <laughs> telling his guards to put their guns on you and to get rid of you. Yes. Uh, uh and j- that the scene with Dryden and Beckett uh, and he says, "You told me that no one." I he's like, "Trust me, trust yes. me, one more time." And I'm like, "Oh shoot, Dude, oh dang!" Is fantastic. Yeah, and so those those kind of moments and those scenes are are, are just really really good. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Kira, and, yeah. and her story. So it's interesting that Kira is the one who kind of says, "Listen, I know who you are." Mm-hmm. Han tries to tell her the same thing, but everyone else knows that. Han, you have no idea what Kira is capable of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we kind of, I, at least when I, when I first saw this movie and even a little bit now, like, I was like, it, it's so, it's, it's a tragic thing to, to see her being a survivor, but she is, she's still enslaved in a way. Yep, Exactly. So like and, she she's alive and she escaped mm-hmm. Corellia. But she doesn't have that same freedom that Han has. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's totally true and and that has a lot to do with how the movie ends is the the means mm-hmm. by which they escaped. Um yeah. quote unquote. Because Kira's because Han asked her how she escaped and Kira says that she didn't. And Han doesn't understand because Volkira is standing right there in front of her. Yeah. And so uh, this, I think, plays directly into kind of the philosophy behind the dark side. Mm-hmm. It, you even see it with um, at the end in the, in the last fight between Dryden, Kira, Kira and Han. That Kira is uh, kind of faking Dryden out by having this sword pressed to Han's chest. And the route that Dryden tries to take is to say that um, where is it? That she's done things you could never understand, but I yeah. do. I understand mm-hmm. her completely. And so there, yeah. you see a clear picture of even though Dryden isn't like this Sith or anything, he still very much is in line with kind of the the way the dark side works because it's all about making somebody feel alone and making mm-hmm. them feel like their only kind of resource is you. And so yeah, Dryden is yeah. doing that exact same thing with Kira. And, and it makes me wonder why then... So Kira rebels against Dryden and right. succeeds. Mm-hmm. But I wonder why then exactly she didn't like go with Han. I, I, I'm, I'm curious if it's the allure of power that she wanted mm-hmm. or yeah. if it's because she still felt trapped because... Um, because Maul knew her. Yeah. And that that is very, very or true. Both. Because you would think that maybe Maul was the one who placed Kira. Un, not 
like he didn't make that decision, but maybe Dryden says, this is who I want as my lieutenant. I want Kira. So he mm. knows her in that way. So if he goes and he like, let's say Maul goes and travels to the yacht, right? Well, he sees right. Dryden's dead body on the floor. Okay. Well, where's Kira? Kira's supposed to be with him. So Maul probably would just react and be like, okay, well, she escaped. She betrayed us in some form or fashion. So yeah. maybe she thought she couldn't get out of that situation. She had to continue to right. play the game and be yeah. with Crimson Dawn. Or like, I think what we decided when we were doing the rewrite series or not the rewrite series, but when we were doing the writing room yeah. that Kira took that opportunity for power. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, as much as she probably cared about Han, she wanted she, the power more. She wanted the power more, and she's like, "I'm not a teenager anymore." Like, and and maybe this even connects to. Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily what they had in mind whenever they were writing, but maybe this even connects to kind of the the Sith code. Right. You know, yes. uh, you know, we're just which if you're a faithful Star Wars historians fan, you would have seen all of our episodes, and so you know that we have an episode all about the Sith Code. <laughs> yes, um, we do. Unfortunately, it's like one of the first things that we've ever done, so it's kind of rough. But it's <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. In any case, a big thing about the Sith Code is that you only gain freedom by power, and right. so mm-hmm. if she's trying to find freedom, like all the characters in this movie are, yes. then maybe she thinks that through power she'll her chains will be broken yeah and and again i think we've talked we talked about that on that episode too it's just like i think that last that last line in that sith code is false you know mm-hmm. I, I i at least for me i don't think that comes true right i think as long as you look to serve the dark side and use the dark side you it's always going to be it's always going to have power over you because fear is what drives it right and this is exactly kind of what Obi-Wan says, both yes. in the Mandalorian arc in Clone Wars and in uh, the mm-hmm. last fight between him and Maul yes. and the Rebels. Ooh, don't get me started with Kenobi in that, in that <laughs> arc. It's, it's so good. It's beautiful. But we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's real quick talk about Lando and Chewie. And, and their appearances in here. I mean, we've talked about it. Donald Glover is just amazing in his role. He he has yeah. just the right charisma mm-hmm. as Billy D. Williams had in the original trilogy. Yes, exactly. And he's able to do a lot of the same things, but at the same time, let the character be his own. Like, right. this is Donald Glover's Lando Calrissian. But yeah, no, I was struck by uh, Donald Glover's charisma and this rewatch too. And really what I was struck by was the utter chemistry between uh, both Alden <laughs> and Donald Glover and even Chewie um, yes. And oh, yes. in this movie. And like going to the Sabacc table both times is just so fun to watch. Oh, yes. Yes. It's fantastic. Donald Glover puts on such a great show. And both he and Alden are just killing it. Like they are putting effort into this. They're not just calling it in. Like this is this is quality work from them. Mm-hmm. No, yes, absolutely for sure. And those two Sabak games, you learn really a lot about their personalities and how that those two ideas kind of clash together. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the small little details of, you know, this Lando 
calls him Han as yeah. an insult, which yeah. carries over into the original trilogy. And um, I guess because that's how Billy D says it. Right. And we can look at that and be like, man, that's just that's something that brings back old times. And I guess is it because uh, Han mispronounces Sabak the first time? Is that why Lando just always calls him Han? Because Lan- uh, Han comes in and says, "Is this Sabak?" And he says, <laughs> and Lando responds and says, "This is Sabak." It's like ah, Sabak. <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, I don't know if that was the reason why he did it. Um, the, I think I think like uh, it's a sufficient reason for me to say that <laughs> Lando is just messing with Han, and yes. that's fine. Yes. But but it's like you have two scenarios where it's two different like A vowels. And so it yes. makes me wonder um, if that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. But there's there's another thing about this movie um, since we're talking about kind of charisma and chemistry. Yeah. This movie does a great job. Um, and, and some a lot of people have different opinions on how a story should be kind of shown but uh one of the big things that i think this movie does really well is it it kind of i'm trying to think of a good way to describe it 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 doesn't cut off the trimmings as it were and what i mean by that is there are plenty of times in this movie where you see a little snippet of conversation between the people you see a little snippet of personality from each of the characters without it being something that directly connects to the story. Like you see a kind of L9 and, uh, or sorry, L3 and Kira talking about Han and Lando. And you see Lando and Han talking about uh, the YT 1300 series of uh, freighters. And there are these little, or even um, Beckett and Chewie playing uh, Dejaric together. There, there's these little snippets of things that don't directly contribute to the story, but it adds to this realism where, hey, these guys have some amount of downtime, and so they're going to use it to talk with each other, and they're going to use it to kind of like break the ice like people do. And within these little snapshots of personality, we also get these little tiny details that pay off in tremendous ways later on for example there's um while during the chess game or the the hollow hollow chess the jark whatever you want to call it um between beckett and chewy he that's whenever he says the line kind of just as a throwaway that people are predictable and then it's during uh kind of l3 and kira talking together that l3 says something about uh creatures that uh, can breathe in the vacuum. And of course that comes to pay mm-hmm. off whenever they're escaping Kessel afterwards. And there's uh, all these different little snippets that are just interwoven throughout this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is because they they didn't just, they weren't in tunnel vision, but they mm-hmm. allowed it to be a little bit more realistic and have these little conversations. And I think that's something that's really wonderful about this movie and why I especially like it as... I think I've said just every time I've talked about this movie, I've talked about how I love the character work in it. And that's still true in this watch. Yeah. And here's one of my favorite parts about the movie. 
everything that had to do with Chewie. Yes. Because when you talk about developing a character, the fact that he was captured by the Empire, you know, probably after the event of Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. um, he was used as a monster uh, just to entertain the troops. But to still have that hope of and that mission of rescuing his people. Yeah. He goes to Kessel. He leaves Han in their mission for a little bit to to go and rescue him with Han's blessing, of course, Mm -hmm. that I think Chewie really appreciated and then realized I need I need to go with him. Right. Like and 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 to kind of follow along with that not mm -hmm. just han's blessing but han's active support and giving him the weapon and like i think chewie would have gone off to help his his tribe no matter what right but this this and then han going to help lando as they're trying to escape Mm -hmm. are things that make uh, chewbacca think twice about just worrying about his own situation he he gets mm-hmm. his tribe safe and he, he gets them free and they're escaping but he leaves them in order to go to han han's kind of selflessness has mm-hmm. actually inspired chewie to to work with him and to to go yeah. help him or, or and maybe you know and this could be completely wrong um because i think I, at this point i'm just speculating but you know maybe Chewbacca was maybe even looking at a bigger, bigger story, bigger situation that, hey, together we could do more good. Mm-hmm. You know, we could do more things. Yeah. Um, for for my people and for other people that might be enslaved or right. what, or whatnot. I think after um, after they escape. Through after they accomplished the Kessel Run, I think that's mm-hmm. totally the case. Yeah, I think we we see little pieces of of Chewbacca and Han working together throughout their mm-hmm. time together, but yeah. it's not until Han gets into the co-pilot, or sorry, it's not until Chewie gets into the co-pilot seat yes. that it just clicks. And oh, it's a beautiful yes. thing whenever it clicks. I- uh, yeah, that's a great again great moment because it's like Kira's in the co-pilot seat because you know. Han, you know that's your girl. You know, right? That's a important moment. But she had no, she had no idea. Yeah, she what doesn't she know what doing. she's doing. <laughs> um, and like you said, whenever it's just, as soon as Chewie gets into that seat, man, it just works. It clicks. It's like and and Han, <laughs> and, and Han is so good. Well, there's so many things about it. Um, right. Han uh, Alden Ehrenreich is so good that it, like he has these little like facial expressions that he gives. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives a little like smile whenever yes. Chewie gets into the co-pilot seat <laughs> and you have this wonderful, like, ins- uh, like inspirational Star Wars music mm-hmm. kind of just like playing, uh, like swelling at this point because yeah. it's the point of it is like, Hey audience, this is whenever it clicks for them. This is yes. kind of really the birth of their partnership. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I was going to say before that was it's like when Luke and I get into a car when because we we went to school in oklahoma we both are from texas um and we used to you know drive together uh, yeah. to, to head home uh and as soon as we get into that into that into that car and we we get onto the highway we do that same thing that lando and l3 do but yeah. where they you know 
they, they, they kind of do salute the little each other salute or whatever. And they uh, go to hyperspeed. They go to hyperspace. We do the same thing. Uh, and, and it works, Luke. It works. Yeah. Uh, it clicks from the it first does. time. It just uh, does. And, and you see the same thing in this film. But we can't talk about Solo without talking about the Falcon. Oh, yes. Um, ooh, just the, a brand new Millennium Falcon. It's so nice. Uh, it looks uh, so good. I, I realized in this movie that Han falls in love with a Falcon the very uh-huh. first time that he sees it. He does. Like, he's talking trash about it beforehand. It's like, this thing's mm-hmm. going to be a piece of junk. But then as soon as they round that corner, he yes. is just in awe. And, mm-hmm. and it's the fact that, like, people who are mad at Alden Ehrenreich for not looking like Harrison Ford or not sounding quite like Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. they need to get over themselves because he does so much work in, like, there's different like facial expressions and yes. things that he does that uh-huh. that uh, Harrison Ford does, and mm-hmm. he is actually like expressing and and like is a good actor, and you can read what he's yes. going through as it happens. Mm-hmm. And so whenever he's looking at the Millennium Falcon, he's looking at it in love, like, and so he yes. is just all about this ship from the get go. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and it even gives a little bit of backstory of why, first mm-hmm. off, he, he loves this ship, but also why he recognizes it and he's able to pilot it so easily. It was like, yeah. my father used to work on these. Yeah. He built these. Yeah. And that small detail is is to me amazing because you don't get people asking the question because there's always i mean they did it with ray which we'll talk about that right in the force awakens but to be like how did he know how to pilot this thing without mm-hmm. if this is the first time he's on but no it gives you a clear reason of why he loved it and why he knows about it right um and even when he he plays uh with lando again at the end of the movie for the falcon yeah. Uh, he says, "Man, you really want a bad for the Falcon, or or you really have it bad for you the really Falcon. have it bad for the Falcon." Believe and, me, the uh, feeling's mutual. Yes, and so just those little things, and and even seeing after he like freaking destroys it on the Kessel Run. Yeah. Uh, he says, "You have what does he say? Uh, something." She's one hell of a ship. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like broken down, just like. <laughs> just almost ruined and he still loves the falcon yeah. like it it's just it's really great and uh, there's uh, another thing that i wanted to, to say real quick about mm-hmm. no, so ahead. we talked about so you talked about how like we have good reason for why han understands um the type of ship that the falcon is mm-hmm. um but like it then doesn't go to the point of like a lot of people's criticism for this movie, and I think this is a, a fairly weak criticism um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't ultimately matter to the story or anything too much. But they don't yeah. like how they don't like the origin of Han's last name, and they mm-hmm. don't like um, <laughs> that they don't like Han getting the blaster from uh, Beckett. But and so their their criticism is that oh it just it goes in and just like thinks that every little thing needs to have an origin story, and I would say that they actually work to avoid that in this movie because in that conversation between Han and Lando, you don't then hear about Han's dad or Lando's dad, 
Lando asks, are you close to your father? And he's like, no, not really. And then Lando says, yeah, me neither. Because in real people don't want to talk about things that they're uncomfortable with talking about. And so we don't go into that because that's realistic. But Well, I'm still shocked that people didn't like that Beckett was the one who gave Han his blaster. I thought that was like... A beautiful, like, small little, th- like, not every, like, what did, what did you expect to, for it to be, like, shining and, and on a spotlight and for Han to have this moment to grab the blaster to signify? I, I think, I think they thought about it in the other way. I think they thought that, oh, the blaster is just a regular blaster. Although but, I'm pretty sure it's the only blaster that Han uses in the original trilogy. Yeah. And, and, and so my, like, that small little detail. It's enjoyable because his blaster is significant. Like it yeah. means something. Even like even if you're looking at it from the other spectrum of not putting it on like a pedestal or something to be obtained, but like to criticize it just because it's it's a simple like here. Well, you're in the- this you're in this life now. Right. No, yeah, and I, I think these are the same people who think that just the the movie was unnecessary in the from the first place. <sighs> Which yeah. what uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on on that, on people who say that don't do we really need a Han Solo movie? It's an anthology film. Yeah. Okay. It it's a Star Wars story that's being told in this this saga. Yeah. Um. My 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 counterpoint would be: Do we really need? any of the movies yeah and and i think you actually said that when we did disney take over like you said none of these films are necessary um we could have stopped at episode four because and i think tim said that whenever we covered the original trilogy with him Mm -hmm. he said that the way that it ended it it was a great conclusion but you could also tell more stories based off the film um like it was a great conclusion but also a great jump start to a greater galaxy Mm -hmm. which it ultimately became but then we could have just stopped it there it could have been another like space odyssey 2001 or whatever yeah exactly and it so when when people say that like well we didn't really need this it's just like yes it's true we didn't need it but it's so great that we do that we have it, right? Because it's another story, it's another adventure for us to go on, and that's what I don't understand when people criticize these kinds of things. Of mm-hmm. well, we don't really need to know how the Kessel Run happened or how Han Solo became Han Solo or anything like that. Um, and can I just say that, like, with if anybody has a criticism against the Kessel Run, it is completely misplaced. Uh, the name yes. thing, name thing, I don't have a problem with, but like, it, I guess that's more fair than a critique of the Kessel Run because the Kessel Run does what seems to be impossible, which is mm-hmm. uh, in the in a New Hope, he says they does the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs, and mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, but parsecs are a unit of of uh, measurement of distance, not of time or or things like that. It's not like a race, like like mm-hmm. it would sound like. And they came up with a scenario that explains exactly why it's impressive that mm-hmm. he did it in less distance. Yeah. And the, the Kessel Run in the original trilogy, when it was talked about, was presented in a way that was just like, okay, I, I 
guess that's impressive. Like, right. So I, I guess it's really fast, but it, there was more to be said about Han with the Falcon mm-hmm. of like the Falcon and me are a package deal, like right. a package deal. Like you yeah. can't get one without the other. So the Falcon is a fast ship, but in the hands of a capable pilot like myself, it's, it's even more, more impressive for whatever you want to do when mm-hmm. he's talking to Obi-Wan and to Luke. Um, and the Kessel run for him to do it, in that amount of distance with the empire after him with a extremely like tense situation with the coaxium yep. on the verge of overheating and exploding the entire ship. Mm-hmm. Like that's really impressive. So when he says I made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs, we can now know, but like, and yeah, that was extremely yeah. dangerous and impressive. So I, I don't understand that critique either. And so, I mean, to respond to the question of is it, this wasn't necessary, it doesn't do anything new for me. Um, that's fine, I guess. Uh, just don't criticize people who find so many amazing things from this movie. And like what Solo went through you know, this uh, this movie obviously came after The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. which we will talk about our thoughts on The Last Jedi in the next coming months. But it wasn't received very well down the road. So when Solo came around, no one really trusted Disney to put out yeah. a good movie. I was, I was in Tennessee during a summer um, mm-hmm. doing an internship, and I just had a free afternoon shortly after the movie was released Mm -hmm. and it was probably me and like one or two other people in the theater which is an absolute shame Mm -hmm. so i mean people are gonna say what they want to say about this film i think it's still amazing and one of the one of the best things of this movie that i actually really enjoyed it's i mean it's not like my favorite thing but i thought it was really really good was l3 like, yes. I think the fact that she episode 5 C3PO talking to the Falcon has this uh, peculiar dialect. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. If okay, if you could, if you if you want to critique it for like everything being connected and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I guess I can understand with L3 being part of the Falcon why you would have um issues with that, but the fact that she is like she has the best navi- uh, navigation system mm-hmm. in the entire galaxy. The fact that that was placed inside the Falcon. So you have a fast ship with the best navigation navigational chart in the galaxy. Like, yeah. you have the best ship. Just yes. Um, but I think L3 just providing something new in Star mm-hmm. Wars in a story that should be, you know, like like it's a Star Wars story. It's, it's a history lesson of an important character, but we're still learning something new. We're introduced to something new with L3, um, droids rights, um, not being slaves, all that kind of stuff. The interaction she has with Lando. um, She's such a fun character. Yeah. And and people just think that she's like, Oh, it's like SJWs coming in and star Wars and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's so, so fun because it's like, uh, Lando is like, Hey, can I get you anything? And she Mm -hmm. said, equal rights. And he just is like exasperated, just leaves. Yeah. 
Yeah, but so I think, like we said, everything kind of hits right. Uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to okay. share some fun facts, actually. I caught a new thing that I'm sure there are videos out there that are like every Easter egg in Han Solo, Star Story, or whatever. Yeah, um, probably. But this is something that I, I looked up for the first time. Uh, Kira says the name of this fighting technique that she uses on Kessel. Mm-hmm. And says that Dryden taught her it. And what she says is Teras Kasi, which is um, first mentioned in the Star Wars Legends book, Shadows of the Empire. Oh, yeah. And then shortly after, they release a PS1 Star Wars fighting game with Teras Kasi in the name. And so it's mm-hmm. like, it's this fighting style primarily designed to use against the, the Jedi yeah. And the First Order Praetorian Guards that we see in The Last Jedi are uh, trained in it. And so that's mm-hmm. why they fight so well. Wow. it's cool. There was something that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, I, I think this movie does a lot of humor really well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think yeah. it's it's too forced. Like you have some humorous scenes like whenever they're about to go uh, to the mall. And mm-hmm. like the, the lights of the Falcon are out. And then but as soon as they come back on, there's an eye and everybody jumps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just immediately get out of there. Uh, but there's um, something that I thought was really funny is at the beginning of the movie. And it's as they're in the kind of the, the hangar trying to leave. Actually, mm-hmm. after Han and Kira have already been separated and Han sees the advertisement for like join the empire <laughs> the imperial march yeah yeah and the imperial march exactly yeah. like the imperial march is canonically a part of the promotional <laughs> material for the empire i think it was like it was like a more upbeat version maybe even yeah. like but it was it was definitely the imperial march and i thought that was really funny so something that would would be really stupid but i would love to see someone do is someone do a thing to where you know how they show vader's ship and they play the imperial march like in episode five if you would just if someone would remake it have him like walk along a corridor and him just being going yeah exactly and do that but yeah i i i was pleasantly surprised that that is an actual song in the star wars universe so that's really cool but as we wrap up our time here uh let's just real quickly list off favorite character who did you really enjoy in solo a star wars story i've got to say solo himself Mm -hmm. um i like they were all man i'm i'm flabbergasted with words um not (laughs) able to uh, but um (laughs) i enjoyed all the characters but i gotta say i'm sticking with my homeboy alden yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And Alden got really high praise from Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like apparently he had called Ron Howard and he said this movie was great. Alden was amazing. He he made it his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and coming from Harrison Ford, who really doesn't have to comment on anything, uh, and really doesn't care about Star Wars anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, that pretty impressive, I would say. Yeah, I think my favorite character. Um, honestly, it had to be Tobias Beckett. Yeah. I really thought he was as much as of a mentor as he could have been to Han. Mm-hmm. He put him on the path of being the Han Solo that we all fell in love with in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, and really passed the baton at the end of the movie also, I would 100%. say. And I have to say that before this movie came out, I wasn't thrilled with like 
Woody Harrelson being in it because it's like, oh, he's always the guy who's getting a team together. And so <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, nah, this isn't going to be anything. But he he does very well in this movie. And yes. um, I'm very pleased that he's in it. Mm-hmm. And let's just favorite scene. This, this will be the last question, but favorite scene. I think just the introduction of the Falcon mm-hmm. is just my favorite scene. Just Han falling in love with it. Um, just the beauty of a new Falcon, the description of it. And it's like, this is not the Falcon that we know. And right. I'm okay with that. So I, I just really like the reveal. Also that just that final scene with Maul and Kira. Yeah. Um, that is probably also my favorite piece is is darth maul revealing himself oh yes um because it has the hint of duel of the fates yeah exactly it has more duel duel of the fates in it than return of the or uh sorry rise of skywalker does yes Um, yes oh you still 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 salty about that (laughs) i actually don't care but yeah for uh, yeah obviously i would have liked it if it was in there but Mm -hmm. uh i think Probably my favorite scene is uh, is them escaping the mall. Uh, yeah. With but Beckett has to go back and get the fuel yes. and put like a drop of it into the the reactor. And for a second, the ship goes dead. But then they go rocketing off, and Han finally uh, accomplishes that sideways maneuver that he's been trying to do all this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, a, a, another one because I'm thinking about the mall now. Or in the maelstrom right now, yeah, is um, him doing the little slide thing. Oh, and he's talking yeah. about his his friend who was the best racer on Corellia before he Until crashed he died. and was and killed died doing this. Doing this, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, you know what? Never mind. I'm gonna change my pick. I think that whole sequence, yeah, was my favorite. Just seeing Han with the Falcon doing Han like things, yeah, being what. He wanted to be best pilot in the galaxy. Since when have you? Since when have you been able to fly? One hundred and ninety years old. You look great. <laughs> so yeah. So this is again, listeners, a great movie, really, for for it not being part of you know the nine episodes. Mm-hmm. This anthology film is a fun, fun ride. And I think the the other anthology film, which is what we're going to talk about on Thursday, yep. Um, we we originally planned to do it in one episode, but we're just like, no, we need to give these movies these they're just due, yeah, because of how good I think they are. And we'll talk about why Rogue One is an amazing movie. And, and for me, watching it in the it's it was like around Christmas of 2016 when that movie came out mm-hmm. why that was so good but solo if you ever just want to watch a star wars movie and you're just like i don't really want to jump in the middle of anything right solos is the movie to do that it's just a fun adventure a fun ride to go on and we really loved it and enjoyed it yeah 100 percent agree yeah but for Luke Forney, I'm David Gonzalez with the star wars historians here on the gazebo effect podcast until thursday May the force be with you.